thankful as I am for what's happened. I'm full of faith for what's ahead. We say around here, if you're new, best days ahead in Jesus' name. So we are so fired up for the future as we do things like go monthly with outreaches. We're formulating and planning ways to be a blessing to the community. Our heart is to serve people by meeting practical needs and not do it in our name, but do it in Jesus' name. No strings attached. We're here because we love you. More importantly, God loves you. And so that's starts in February. We'll have a monthly outreach expression. In just a couple of short weeks, we're launching our spring season of relationships. We call them city groups, Palm City city groups. Are you tracking? Because Sundays just aren't enough. Life change doesn't happen in rows. It happens eating sourdough bread around the table, dipping into a big taste of the rainbow, Skittles, and pulling down the the walls of our life and being honest with people about where we are and even where we're not. I want to encourage you to go for it and don't just experience a church service. Experience community in relationships with people in the same stage of life, maybe even a similar age. We'll have 15 to 20 of those available for you. Airplane mode, everybody. There you go. (laughs) Praise God. And then our Palm City Kids experience, I have a couple of kids in there right now. I have one kid old enough to serve, those just a generation and season behind her. But my kids are in there, and so you need to know if you have kids, our heart as a church in 2023 more than ever before is to train them up in the way they should go so that when they are older, according to Scripture, they will not depart. Now, they may go a little left, okay? That's just life. But we're going to just speak the Bible, teach the Bible, show them that they don't have to just have their parents' faith. They can have their own faith. Now, I'm switching mics. There we go. There we go. I'll just talk, so sorry, but Palm City Kids, we want to invest in that generation today. Honestly, something and just put our faces into, thank you, turn around. Are we good there? Are we good? Are we good? Oh, Jesus, you're the God of technology. We're going to figure it out one day. But we wanted to just kind of have a word, something that we could focus on corporately as a church. I would encourage you to even think about that for your personal life. And as I've been praying, the Lord, it seemed, that was just leading me to this idea of closeness, of, of just get close. I can remember when my daughter was young. Uh, we, would, we would be putting her to bed, and we would play this game of get close. Like, some, you know, some, oh, get close, get close. And I can just remember her running up and in her little kid voice saying, get close, Daddy, get close. And the Lord reminded me of that this year. And he, and he spoke to me personally, and maybe it's for us all, and he just said, I just want you closer than ever before. And no matter how close we are now, there's always one more step that we can take. James 4 says, draw near to me. And I, God, obligates himself and promises that he will respond and draw near to you. And so I begin to say, well, that's the word of the year. It's closeness. And then God said, well, actually, that's the result. 
the, it's the result of pursuit. So the year for 2023 at Palm City, this is going to be the year of pursuit. We're going to pursue our purpose. We're going to pursue our spouse if we're married. If we're a young man, we're going to pursue not a girlfriend. We're going to pursue a wife. And if we're, if we're in the community, we're going to pursue loving people and serving people. No matter what season of life we're in, I want us to pursue God first. And at this time next year, I want you to be able to say with me that I am closer to God than I've ever been. I've been on mission. I've been pursuing God, and God has exceeded my expectations. And I, I know I got a long way to go, me included, but I'm thankful for where I am, and I'm thankful that I took some steps to step into God's best for my life and just to receive what he has for me. So this is the year of pursuit, everybody. Are you ready? So, yeah, praise God. So here's the thing, our message series, how we train our kids, everything's going to be rallied and filtered through that word. We're going to grapple with how do we help people pursue the things in their life that are good because we're all pursuing something. The Bible tells us that we were made for worship. It's not if you worship, it's what you worship. And I want us to put our pursuit not on the things of this world, but on Jesus and his kingdom and his best for our life. Is anybody with me on that? Let's do it this year. We believe it's going to be an amazing year. And one of the most important things that we can pursue together is healthy community. I'm talking about relationships. And that's how I want to conclude this four-part series that we've been in called Revolution. And it's not the American Indian Revolution, and it's not, these, it's not a war type of tactic. In a similar sense, it sort of is. It's this idea at the beginning of a year, we have good intentions, but we have a lot of failed results. That we're here trying to make resolutions in our life, and we're trying to change some things because we're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. We're done with the status quo, but about February, those external changes, those resolutions, they just lose their luster. And six weeks of life, we just lose the momentum to fight anymore. And resolutions, honestly, they just don't work. They have good intentions, and we need more than that. We need internal motivation. We need the spirit of the living God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that lives in you. We need to tap into that motivation and let it change on the inside and just show up on the outside in the near future. That is what God wants to do in our life. And here's the verse that we've been trying to follow for this series. It says this, when someone becomes a Christian, what happens? Here's what happens. He becomes a brand new person inside. No more behavior modification. No more, no more just trying to appease people. And, and, and No, it's asking God and getting around community who aren't perfect but are going in the same direction as you. And allowing God to transform you from the inside out. Because here's what the verse says. When that happens, you're not going to be the same anymore. You're going to step into the change you've always wanted that you didn't feel is possible because you invited God in. Because you're not just a soul. And you're not just in a body. But you have a spirit. It's the part of you that's like God. And if you want real change in your life, you have to activate the part of you that is like God that has the power for the change. So we've talked about changing. And we don't need a resolution. We need a revolution at that point a new life can truly begin. 
So in weeks one through three, we talked about the first place. It's got a change in our faith life. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant was all about approaching God externally through behavior modification, right? Jesus hadn't come yet, and so sin hadn't been paid for, and there was no access to a holy God when you're an unholy man. So we talked about foundational faith. If we want to experience a revolution in 2023, and we want it to be the best year of our life, and I believe you're here today because you want that, right? Okay, if that's going to be true, then we have to start with our faith. We have to experience a revolution in our faith life because we're not earthly beings having a spiritual experience one hour a week. We are a spiritual being having a temporary earth experience that God wants to be involved in your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday. And at the water cooler, when the other guys are telling the jokes, you know you shouldn't engage in, that you just politely fade to black and Find another conversation that you would be him for them so that they can find what you have found. Week two, we talked about, um, you know, that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Mm, look at this. This is the temple. It's true. And because everything is spiritual, the spiritual impacts the physical. So we can't do whatever we want with our body and expect on Sunday to feel close to God. We can't let things come through the window. We can't let things come through the ear gate. We, we've got to not give ourselves to everything. We've got to realize this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we said, if you want a revolutionary year, you've got you to get your fitness, your health life, your spiritual life in order because the body does have cravings. Come on, donuts and some things we won't mention. But it wants some things. And so in week three, we talked about, man, not just your faith and your fitness, but if you want to experience revolution, you got to get God involved in your finances because money is spiritual. Money has a spirit on it. And, and God has created a pathway that he can redeem that worldly spirit, remove it, and put his spirit on it so that that, that income and that resource that you have is blessed. But today is probably one of the most important of all. Because if we don't get our friend game right, if we ain't rolling with that crew that's making us more like Christ, if we don't have that circle and that tribe that is not letting us flounder in mediocrity, but are calling us to higher standards and loving us and believing in us and even helping us when we miss it, because we all will, then 2023 will never be our best year. We can't do it alone. God never intended for you to do life alone, and so don't. And that's the heart of city groups. It's not another thing during the week, because you're busy. I'm busy. I don't need more. But we do need more of the right things. We do need value added to our lives. And so I want to approach this over the last you know, 20, 25 minutes we have together from a, a little different slant. Because maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've heard a talk around relationships. Oh, man, here comes the, here comes the groups talk. <laughs> They're launching groups soon. Yeah, we are. And maybe you're just a little cynical about it. And you're like, yeah, I've tried that, been there, been there, done that. I want you to give God a clean slate today. And I want to try and show you what God is showing me at the importance and a fresh look at the why. Because if you lose your why, you'll lose your way. So I want to go to the very first book of your Bible. Come on, we're going right at the beginning. In the beginning, God. It's a book called Genesis, which means beginnings and which is what we all want to experience, new beginnings. The first book of your Bible, the first chapter, and the first story. So God, in this 
story is creating things. He's a creator. It's who God is. And so if you're creative, holler at us. God's a creator, and you're made in his image. And so God is creating things, and it goes through the story of what he's creating. Now, the first things God creates are the inanimate objects, the solar system, the moon, the stars, the sun, those, those things in that arena. And then he brings in the living creatures. He creates things that are alive, uh, plants, bushes, trees, animals, and us. Yay! We were last, saving the best for last, right, God? Right? So he's, he's, he's creating these living creatures that, albeit, all ha- have a physical appearance and, and, and have a soul, but only us, the human creation, has a spirit. So you know animals have a soul. You got a dog, that little tail starts wagging. That he's happy. That's an emotion. Your souls are your emotion, your mind, will, and your emotions. And obviously they're in a body, but dogs don't have a spirit. We are the only part of creation that has a spirit. It's the part of God that we are like, that arena. And here's what the Bible says in Genesis 1, verse 11. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees. Follow that for just a minute. On the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so, because when God speaks, it happens. The land produced vegetation, plant-bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. So when God created the first tree, he also simultaneously in that moment created the tree that's now in your yard. That God put the ability for everything he created to reproduce itself. There's a reproduction element in the creation story. So everything you look at, God put the ability for that thing and the power of that thing inside of it so that it could fulfill what God said to do. So when you think about an oak tree, it grows really big. But a full oak tree in God's beauty and power was shoved into an acorn (laughs) so that it could produce more of its kind. Now, interesting, it says it can only produce variations of its kind. In other words, we can't reproduce what we want. We only reproduce what we are. And that's why we say become the person God created you to be, because God wants you to reproduce yourself and others, just like the initial creation story. Well, how does God do that? He's omnipotent. That word omnipotent, omni means all. Potent, potent means potential, powerful. God has all the potential. Therefore, he put all the potential of his creation, the ability to recreate itself so that he could start it and set it in motion. Now, this was kind of risky because that means if it ever gets off track, it may not be that great. So you can see that in our society, things have gotten off track and now The risk of that is when you transfer something, you don't only transfer the good part, but you also can transfer the bad part because God is a multiplier. And then he goes on to say in his word, let's look at the next verse. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That's the moment God said, I'm gonna put a little bit of me in them. 
because he wanted us to reproduce him in our communities and our sphere of influence. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. Now, this is important. This is the first time God speaks to his creation. There's a law in, in, um, in theology, in the, in the biblical world, that the, the power of a first mention gives you the purest and, and most well-developed teaching on that subject. So anywhere you find the first mention of something is the purest and the most foundational teaching on that thing. So when God talks here in just a moment, you want to lean in to anything that happens for the first time in the Bible. And what did God say? His first words could have been anything. What did God say? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, I love this because God is a multiplier. As a matter of fact, let me take it a step further. Anywhere you see multiplication, there's been reproduction. Anywhere you don't see multiplication, there's a lack of transference. Things aren't connecting. So you can sit here and listen to God's word and still leave unchanged. And the person next to you can come, worship the same songs, hear the same message, and they can experience a radical difference. Well, what is the difference? It's intimacy. Because anything that becomes intimate reproduces. Are you tracking with the closeness? Are you tracking with the pursuit that God wants to be close to you? And then he wants you to get close to other people so that there can be a transference of that spirit he put inside of you and those gifts and talents that aren't reserved for you. Now, they'll bless you when you use them. But the gifts God put in your heart aren't for the shelf. They're for the church. They're for the kingdom. They're to find your place in the body so that you can reproduce yourself and multiply. Come on, somebody, hear the word of the Lord today. Be fruitful and multiply. Anywhere you see multiplication, it's a sign of intimacy. Now, Kristen and I have done our part. we got three kids. You may have more. No, we're done, homie. We are done. Done. Spiritual kids only, Lord. But, but we're, we're to recreate ourselves, not just in our core family, but in our church family. Now, God is a relational God. The Bible refers to him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he's also a generational God. And here's where the risk comes in, that he wants your family line to be him for them for a long time. He wants your reproduction to outlast you. And that's the legacy that we all want to be a part of. We want our lives to count, not just for our lives but for eternity. Well, if we're going to do that, the most important thing we got to have a revolution is, is in our friend game, realizing that everything else does not last. Only people last forever. And that is why the devil creates so much mess in your relationships. It's not a coincidence that one out of one in this room, if we were being honest, would say some of the most relational drama, some of the most Difficult times, discouraging moments, and hardships that you have faced have come in the arena of relationships. Yes. 
Because as much as God wants to propel that relationally and generationally, the devil, the enemy of your soul, wants to stop it and kill it. And that's why you see a prominence in things that don't reproduce because he knows the impact. If you ever create intimacy, you will begin to see a reproduction and you will see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And I'm here for that kind of life. I'm not here to play church. I'm not here to sing a couple of songs and develop a message that makes us feel good about ourselves. God's words always help us, but I am here to get out of the comfort zone and live in the faith zone and live a life that's reproducing the good parts of me, the God parts of me, into those that will take it further than I ever could alone. And I believe God is looking for a community that will say it's kind of countercultural but sign me up. I'm ready. Now, when you look at the last book of the Old Testament, so first book, let's go to last book, Malachi, you can see a few things that are happening. Malachi was a prophet. And what he was speaking and addressing was the cry of his people. And their cry was this, where are you, God? We're doing all the things and you're gone. What happened? And here's what the word of the Lord came and spoke to him. He answers four areas that that, that he's seen and, and has created the tension and the disconnect. And here's one of them. I would encourage you to read this three chapter book. It'll take you about 15 minutes. In chapter two, verse 13, it says this. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, here's the question, but why? We're doing all the things. We're we're, we're checking the boxes. For what reason? And God says, I've been watching. I've been watching how you treat the most important relationships in your life. And because it all hinges on relationships I can't bless that when you're not following the guidelines of this. We're asking God to bless that, but we haven't first addressed the things that he's already instructed us to do. And the Bible goes on to say, between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. In other words, this isn't just singular. It's not talking about husbands and wives. And And it is, but it's also talking about the most important relationships this side of heaven. You've, you've kind of had a cynical approach. You've dealt with them treacherously. Yet, she is your companion and your wife by covenant. He wants relationships to be not contractual, but based on covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the spirit? Relationships are spiritual. But why? He seeks godly offspring. This has been mistaught so many times because it's the divorce chapter. God hates divorce. And so we walk around condemned. Well, God hates divorce for a couple of reasons because of the pain and the remnant of of baggage it creates for what he loves. And that's you and I. So if we've been through it, whether it was our parents or our own self, 
you know, we don't need to live in condemnation, but God hates it for what it does to his original plan, which is generational and relational because God is after a reproduction. He wants godly offspring. He wanted you to use that covenant to begin to reproduce yourself so that it lasts beyond you, so that we don't just come to church and worship God in our time, but the kids that we're raising in Palm City are in these front rows in just a couple of years, and they're in the game carrying this spirit forth and bringing the kingdom to Wesley Chapel and surrounding communities. It's the downline that God was worried about with divorce. Now, God doesn't endorse divorce, but he doesn't hate you if you've had one. And I don't want you to be discouraged hearing that. Because after this chapter, when they finally get their act together, we go to the New Testament and Jesus comes, everybody. Jesus has broken any curses, and he's given us redemption and grace so that we can step into everything he has for us and then he lives his life so that we know how to live one. And then he gives his life so that we didn't have to because Jesus didn't just die for us. Jesus died as us. He wasn't just getting up there to pay for my sin. No, he was taking our place. But then God raised him from the dead, put the same spirit of you. in the same place Jesus went back to heaven, it's called the Mount of Olives. In Jerusalem, if you ever see that picture of the gold dome, it's right across the valley of that dome. It's the Mount of Olives. It's where he ascended. And check it out. It's the same spot that he will return one day. Right there to the Mount of Olives. Amen is right. And the last words of Jesus before he ascended, check it out. What does he say? Genesis 1. Hey, no, he doesn't, Pastor. He doesn't say be fruitful and multiply. Oh, yeah. He says go and make disciples. Disciples are those who your life has been reproduced in. So Jesus brings it all forward, all that drama of the Old Testament. He says, look, the plan was set in motion. The plan hasn't changed. We got off track, but I'm here to set up a new kingdom. I'm here to set up a new way. And if you will make disciples and reproduce yourself, you will live the best life you can this side of heaven. It won't be perfect, but we'll do something great together because relationships are spiritual. That's my first point today. I think I've said it a lot, but they are. And I'm trying to convince you that things like city groups and not forsaking the gathering of the saint, church attendance, is not so that we can just count people and feel good about ourselves. It's for you. You need it. I need it. Now, I'm kind of going to be here, but you have options. <laughs> and I want you to have a heart in 2023 that says, if I'm home, I'm here. If you're on vacation... It's all good. But if I'm home, I'm here because you can't get this online. That's why even in relationships, you'll see a transfer. You'll see generations that are mechanical. You'll see father and son, doctors, doctor, do pastor, 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 lawyer, 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 because God set it up that way. It wasn't just because they saw what you did. Some of you was in them because you reproduced. And so your passions and personalities also reproduced. And so it runs generationally. But the risk of that is you also see alcoholic, alcoholic, alcoholic. And anger, anger, anger. And racism, racism, racism. And all the other things that aren't good. But we need to understand that Jesus can make all things new. And so if we want our life to change, we've got to change our friends. We've got to get around the right people at work, at school. We may not be able to be in every conversation in those places. And in addition, we need to get in the right places in our church because relationships are spiritual, but they also, number two, have lasting impact. 
In other words, they're going to impact you for a long period of time. All of us in this room have been shaped by our relationships. You cannot tell me, if you've been here, the last three sermons I preached. And if you can, shout out. You know, you're awesome. Pray for me that I have that recall. You can tell me the three people that have helped you or hurt you the most, though. Because relationships are spiritual. And you and I are the sum total of our relationships. And I want to speak to parents. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. You need to control your kid's friend group. Well, that's going to hurt their feelings. I don't care if it saves your life. We got to get gritty in that area and quit letting our kids play around every type of person that is not living the same life that you're trying to live because they're not going to be what you preach to them. They're not going to be the Bible study at night. They're going to be who they hang out with. And if you don't like the direction of that, I'm telling you, parents, get involved. And I've got to honor my mother right here. Outside of the grace of God and a praying mom, I would not be here. My mom oversaw those things. I would be doing things even when I was a little bit older. And she would say, you think that's good for you? And I wouldn't answer because I knew the answer. (laughs) I'm telling you, they make a lasting impact. Number three, relationship choices are vital. And that's why we say you want to make a resolution about your weight. You don't need a scale. You need a friend. You want your faith life to grow. You You don't need just a Bible. Yeah, get a Bible. We have them free for you if you don't have one. You need a friend. You, you need healing in your life. Don't just like watch YouTube videos. That's cool. You need a friend. You can't quit clicking on things you shouldn't be clicking on. You don't need just some services and some, and some, and some hardware. You need a friend. You, you need a group. You need somebody that has your back when, you, when you're vulnerable and you're at your weakest moment when you go through hard times because the Bible says a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friend he chooses. Your friend group is more accurate than your mirror. So here's some questions. As we've been ending these series, we've given you questions so that you can grapple and you can answer them in your own time. And if this series has been helpful for you, I would encourage you maybe a couple of times throughout the year, go back and listen just to give yourself a little inventory, a little tune up. Come on, you're getting that oil change every 5,000 miles. You better, you know, make sure that life hasn't drifted you away from some of these things you want to see in your life this year. So the first question today around the relationship game is, am I nurturing the important relationships? Are you nurturing the important relationships at church? Well, what do you mean? Well, I leave and nothing changes. Well, it was catalytic. There was the power. There was the seed. There was the ability to experience the change, but you didn't nurture the seed. You didn't give any water to it. You quit coming. You got discouraged and, and hung, and so you, you didn't grow. What happened? You didn't nurture it. What about your marriage? Is it growing? Well, maybe you're not nurturing it if it's not. You have forsaken date night, or as we do, date lunch. Hey, we just got that energy better at lunch. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired at night, so I don't want to talk anymore. But at lunch, I'm in the game. I'm like, what's up? What's up, girl? What you want to do? Mmm, yeah. And honestly, it's cheaper. Come on, where the men at? Huh? Oh, my God. I'm just kidding. You're worth rubies. You're worth it all. Come, hey, write that down. So church life, family life, your marriage, right? So, so we're doing the Bible recap. Jump in, read the Bible daily, every day, yeah. Worship at church, yeah. 
but also daily. Every day? Yeah. Like maybe, maybe 15 minutes a day, just spend time with God, worshiping, praying, and step into some of these things, and then you will experience the change you're hoping for. We have to nurture those right, right relationships. Number two, am I severing harmful relationships? I'm telling you, the devil's working overtime, and we're acting like we're unemployed. Are you cutting off things that are pulling you away from God? And I, if I'm your pastor, I'm going to unapologetically ask you to be radical in this area and to choose your friends wisely. Listen to these verses. I'm going to roll through them. Do not be misled. I want to say you probably will be. Bad company corrupts good character. Well, I'm going to win my friends to Jesus. No, you ain't. It's going to corrupt you. Okay? Go in a group. Go with, some, go, go with an army, but don't go alone. Proverbs 13, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Look at these other things the Bible says. It says, don't be hanging out with lazy people. Don't be hanging out with immoral people. There's the verses. You can screenshot if you want them. Don't be hanging out with greedy people. Don't be hanging out with unbelieving people. Don't compromise your faith based on people who don't believe and do what you're trying to do. I'm just telling you, yes, we're in the world. It doesn't mean we're, we're inclusive and we hide in our houses out of fear that we're going to be corrupted. But we need to hear this verse, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That word yoked means common fellowship. So have fellowship, just don't let it become common. So be friendly, acquaintances. Invite them to play in your world, but be careful going to theirs. That will corrupt you more than you will influence it. Because intimacy reproduces. And anywhere you have intimacy, there's going to be a reproduction occurring, good or bad. The last one, number three, am I initiating meaningful relationships? Proverbs 18 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother or a sister. Do you have that type of friend in your life? Do you have the friend who knows all your secrets? Do you have the friend who knows if you miss it, and you likely will, as I do, that you have someone that can lift you up and build some safeguards in your life so that you don't chase one mistake with another? God wants you to have a close friend. Well, I got my church community. You can hide up in here, but you need a community, and it may not be the entire community, but God will be faithful and put one in that group that can know you, that can have a supernatural love for you and you for the, I call it divine flow. There's just certain people you flow with, you vibe with. You gotta get out of a row and get into a circle. I'm talking about city groups. They start in a couple of weeks and you're gonna have two weeks to, to let the enemy tell you it wasn't as important as it sounded. And I'm encouraging you today, make the decision that I will lean in to relationships because relationships are spiritual. Amen, everybody? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your power. We thank you for, Lord, your word that just gives us encouragement and guidelines to our life. We're so hungry for more of you. This is the year of pursuit. And we're declaring together as a church, we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing all the other things that we're worried about will be added in a way that you see fit. So God, we love you and we want to serve you more than ever before this year. 
in Jesus' name. I would love for you to stay in an attitude of prayer for just another moment. Keep your heads bowed. Here at Palm City, we're not trying to over-spiritualize or play the piano so there's a heightened sense of emotion. But what we know is in environments like this, they can be inspired by God so that you can experience life change. God doesn't want you just to attend church. He wants you to experience church. It's relational. It's personal. And if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you have, maybe you've been a lifelong church person, but something happened. Maybe it was you, maybe it was them. But today you find yourself in a place that's no longer close. There's no intimacy in the relationship, therefore, there can be no reproduction. And God wants to rekindle that love relationship with you. This is not about joining a church, although that's a good idea. This isn't about just signing up for a bunch of stuff, although that's likely a good idea. This is about a relationship with Jesus. If that's you today, I want you to raise up your hand right now in boldness and just say, I need to be included in that prayer. There's been a time in my life where I was closer to God than I am right now. And I wanna take a moment and just dedicate my year, my heart, and my life, not on paper, but fully and completely to Him. I would love for all of us to pray this out loud, just to give those privacy who are meaning it. And whether you raise your hand or not, you can say something like this, Jesus, today I give you my life. I'm asking you to forgive me. Give me a change of heart. I don't wanna be the same anymore. I need a clean slate make a commitment today I give you myself fully I'm going all in in pursuit of you in Jesus name amen everybody come on let's give God praise one more time he's a great God oh his plans are good